All right, let me bring in our official historian to WGN's Sports Central, also Chicago's sports historian, Jack Silverstein, joining me now as he's getting ready for the last dance. He started tweeting me about an hour ago, and we're so excited that I had to talk to you tonight, Jack. Thank you for taking a moment. Absolutely, man. Carm, thanks for having me. Uh, what's up, Curtis? This is this is going to be great. This is going to be historic. So what are you planning for tomorrow night, Jack? I want to know how you're doing this. Are you cooking up something? Are you going to sit there with mom and dad? Uh, I don't know your family situation. I, I, do, you, do you have kids that you're going to try to teach this to? Are you going to buy? Can you, is this like I have to watch this by myself? How are you going about it, the last dance? No, I'd, I'd, happily, I'd happily watch it uh, with with family our daughter's a little bit too young and hopefully she'll be in bed by then so probably i'll be watching it by myself i'll be wearing my dennis rodman tattoo shirt uh haven't decided on dinner yet um although probably we will have already eaten so you know I'll have some chips and mostly i'll just be watching enjoying it taking notes um i'll be writing afterward for my newsletter so i'll be taking notes and you know checking it out and um, and just participating in the online conversation and just really basking in this really <laughs> incredible documentary. I mean, you know, 500 hours of footage, behind-the-scenes stuff. I think something that's really going to be powerful is that we've heard, I mean, you saw, but we've heard all of these stories about what Bulls practices were like and what Jordan was like away from a more corporate setting, it's going to be different seeing that. And that is something that I'm definitely excited for. So that's interesting what you're hoping to learn slash see during the last dance, last dance, 10 episodes starting tomorrow night. You get two tomorrow night at 8 and then 9 o'clock. Practice sounds cool, but... Every promo that I'm seeing making its way around Twitter, they are dialing right into the Jerry Krause, Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan, Jerry Reinsdorf drama. And we yeah. all know that story, right? So I, I don't know how I much don't... they want to relive all of that because it's going to make me angry, and that's not how I want to go about this. I don't think that we do know all of that, and that's actually the number one question that I have. And I will, we'll see if it answers this question. But the number one question that I have, and I'm writing about this right now for tomorrow, is will we finally get an answer that makes sense as to why Jerry Reinsdorf chose loyalty to Jerry Krause over loyalty to Michael Jordan? I don't think we're going to get that answer, man. I really don't think we are. That's the only thing that is really driving me from a, a question standpoint, I'm excited to see the whole thing. Obviously, it's going to be beautiful, and my understanding is that the, the, the game footage is going to look incredible. So that that's going to be really cool. But that is the number one question because that is, number one, that is why the last dance was a thing. I mean, that's why Phil named it that. Um, was because of this tension and because... You know, he signed his deal, his one-year deal, in July of 97, and Jerry Krause's quote is, I just want to emphasize he, this will be his last year. 
Wait, and look, they've been replaying the games on NBC Sports Chicago, and they replayed the yeah. game six against the Sonics from the fourth yeah. championship in 96. And Jerry Reinsdorf is up there, and he says, Michael, you're the greatest, best player in the game, Phil Jackson, the best coach, but the guy who put it all together. Right. You, you know, right? So it was starting for a long time that, Clearly, he knew that his GM wanted to get a lot of credit and was perhaps feeling slighted and picked on and whatever else. Sure. Uh, what was going on? Um, so, but, but I, I don't, I don't but think. He, but, yeah, go ahead. But he could have. But well, so the issue is, is that he could have. And again, we're putting, we're speculating as to what Jerry really wanted, which is another kind of great mystery. Was he the person who said on the record, I don't want to be the person who breaks up the Bulls, who told Sam Smith in 1995 that, you know, I made a decision that as long as we have Michael, we're going to just try to keep winning? Or was he the guy behind the scenes who feared that his team would turn into the 80s Celtics? but of the 1990s, that they would stay too long and then lose their relevance. Was he, like, who was he exactly? What was driving him? And by overseeing this swift and dramatic and stark fall from grace, the the, 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 the most shocking fall of a champion in NBA history, maybe in sports history, um, by overseeing that, and by driving that wedge and sort of embracing that internal tension by siding with Krauss over MJ, he set the franchise up for what became 20 years of non-championship basketball. I mean, Dwayne Wade, when he and LeBron and Chris Bosh and Amari and Joe Johnson, all those guys were free agents in 2010, Wade even said, you know, I look over at Chicago and I wonder, where's Michael Jordan? Where's Scottie Pippen? Loyalty is important to me. There was that impression that they drove this team apart. And that's what I want. I want to see that. I want to see, do we know what was driving him? What was the motivator there? See, I I struggle with the the Wade thing because Wade and LeBron, they were both highly considering coming here, and Kobe was considering coming here, and I get it, they didn't, and maybe it was they were going all the way back and looking at 98, but I, I I don't really get that sense. I think it just played out that it was a better situation in Miami. The Bulls were trying to make a trade to get rid of Luol Deng, so they had the money to bring mm-hmm. in. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that as much. What, I, what I, what you know, what we know what bothers me about the whole thing. If I'm Michael Jordan, and he's been quoted in some of these promos that he married himself to Phil. Well, yeah. you know, sometimes in life you don't get everything you want. Now he deserved to have his coach there. He sh- this should not have happened. However. If you love playing, then you should play. Michael, I'm sorry that it's not going to work out with Phil and Jerry, and I'm and I'm going to pick Jerry. You can have and and Jerry Reiser was saying it at the time. They hired they hired Tim Floyd during the lockout, and he said if Phil wants decides that he wants to come back, or if Michael wants to have Dean Smith or whoever else come and coach the team. Then, oh then, come on! Then, Phil had emptied out his office. I by know. That point. I, I know. I know. But that's what Ryan's. I was, don't buy that. But I don't buy that. You bring you bring Michael into the room before any of this happens. Of course, after uh, of, you bring uh, him into the room and you say, "Listen, Phil might." 
decide to leave because Phil always wanted to take those hiatuses. He did it in 98. He did it in 2004 with the Lakers. Phil might decide to leave. What do we have to do to make you happy? Right. What do we have to do? I'm going to attach myself to you, and let's ride this out together. Now, Michael was never going to get what he ultimately wanted in his post-playing career in Chicago, which was ownership. He wasn't going to get that. But maybe there was an opportunity for them to keep it together. And one thing that really interests me when I was researching my piece uh, last month for NBC Sports Chicago around Jordan's return from baseball, um, it was amazing that Ron Schuller, then, you know, the GM of the White Sox, sure. Ron Schuller became the enemy for Jordan. Well, because, Ron Schuller became the villain. Right, because Ron wanted him to cross the line when they were That's having right. a strike in baseball, and he wanted him to but play. The, okay, go ahead. Of course, but the buck stops with Jerry. And somehow, Jerry Reinsdorf, in both cases, was able to pit his general manager against his stars. And he kind of came out unscathed. I mean, Phil and Michael, they liked Jerry. They talked about that. And, they, you know, Michael, they had business deals, and they, he respected them. And Jerry Krause is, Jerry Krause is, you know, pain in the butt and, you know, uncouth, great at his job. Um, I read it was uh, Phil Rosenthal who said that Jerry Krause was someone who deserved more credit than he got but wanted more credit than he deserved. That, that's a good way of, that, that's a good way of putting a good it. Way of, good way of putting it. But For sure. It's just really interesting to me that Reinsdorf kind of did that where Michael was mad at Krause and at Schuler, and not really at the guy who's in charge who can make all of these problems go one way or another. Right. Makes sense. I, I And... I don't know if he did he harbor any resentment to Jerry Reinser. I'm sure yeah, maybe he did. But end of the day, though, if I I'm wondering if I'm Michael, and I don't know if he'll look at it like this or even address it. I would just ask him: Do you regret not playing in '99, no matter who the coach was? Because I mean, the reality is he retired for three years. And then he yep. comes back and ends up playing with the Wizards, and he's still pretty damn great. If his, if he he's doesn't the have oldest player, he's the oldest player ever to score fifty. He's the oldest player ever to score forty. He's the oldest player ever to average twenty points a game. And if he hadn't banged knees in the middle of the year, they probably make the playoffs the first year there. And he also came into that season with the Wizards. He was banged up. He had his yep. ribs broke by Ron Artesso. He was incredible still. My point being yeah. that if they had come back in 99 in a strikes-shortened season, I'm betting on them to win it. Maybe they would have, maybe they wouldn't have, but I certainly would have right. liked to have seen what would have happened. And. If I'm Jordan and I'm looking back on it, I'd be like, eh, man, I really missed it. Why, why did I allow my ego to get in the way and not play? I should have played. I would have missed Phil, but I would have missed him less if I was playing basketball. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that it opens up a whole can of worms. I mean, if they had somehow convinced Phil to say, that kind of opens up a run there because the Lakers, I don't know that the Lakers would have won in 2000. Without Phil, no, and and then you say, then you say, oh, the Trailblazers then would have been there. I don't know if Trailblazers would have been there without Scotty. That, I don't know if you know what I'm saying. It, like it's really opens the doors. Yeah, and if you really want to replay it, you can go back to I, it was the '95 draft. They picked Jason Caffey yeah. twenty. Michael Finley yep. went twenty one. In ninety nine, yep. Manu Ginobili was a second round pick. I mean, you could it, it, now look. Nobody's going to hit on all these guys, but just looking at who was available, uh, 
they they could have rebuilt that dynasty in a fearsome way that they who knows how long they could have extended the damn thing. So yeah. I mean, and and we forget Dennis was pretty good with the Lakers and with the Mavericks. I mean, he had legs left. Yeah. Dennis, what a what a what a you, I, you love ninety one. I I can't. I I'm still bothered by that guy. Um, <laughs> you you should listen to to uh, I got I got Sam Smith come on up here, and we're going to discuss ninety one and ninety six and whose number should be retired. So I, I think you'll enjoy mm-hmm. that, Jack Silverstein. Okay. Um, All right. But great to have you on, my friend. Enjoy the last dance and this. Uh, let, let's continue the conversation. All right. No, I appreciate that, Carm. Appreciate it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. And uh, everyone should check out the newsletter, readjack.substack.com, a shot on ELO, Bulls content for days. One more time, readjack.substack.com. It's the run-up to to my book. It's all the back research, interviews. I just had a great one with a ball boy, Chris Mott, uh, from the second three-peat, and his story is... Dude, his stories were amazing. That's awesome. I can't wait to read it. Jack, you're the man. Good to talk to you. Thanks. Thanks, man. Jack Silverstein, Chicago sports historian.